listening to the podcast Advertising Playbook, your resource to better understand and execute successful podcast ad campaigns. Hello and welcome to the podcast Advertising Playbook. I'm your host, Heather Osgood. And today on the program, I have Tangia Estrada. She is the co-founder of BIPOC Podcast Creators, and I'm super excited to have her on the show today. Welcome. Thanks for having me. It's so good to be here. So um, I know we met for the first time in Dallas at Podcast Movement. Did you enjoy that mm-hmm. event? We had a good time. Um, you know, it's we had a, a large. No, I would say large. I I would say large. You know what? I'm I'm gonna like feel comfortable singing the praises. Like we had a killer networking event that <laughs> was really well attended. We had awesome food. It was great. So. <laughs> That is amazing. I love that when those when those things play out for sure. So um, for those who don't know, can you explain to us what BIPOC stands for? Sure. So it's an acronym that stands for Black, Indigenous, and People of Color. Um, you know, language is always evolving. And so it's a term that has become sort of more inclusive of a large community of different kinds of people. Um, and we chose it somewhat strategically just to be able to signal to um, the audience, a potential audience, who we were talking to specifically. Um, To be clear, I don't think any person of color is walking around identifying themselves as a BIPOC person. (laughs) Nobody, like, I would never walk into and be like, yes, I'm BIPOC. No one says that. Um, You know, people identify however they identify it's really, it's just sort of a, it's just a, a term that we use specifically in the U.S. It's not really used anywhere else to say all of these people over here, we're talking to you specifically. Great, great. Thanks for for kind of breaking that down. And I'm curious, what kind of attracted you to the the podcast space? What attracted you to starting um, this this company or this, I guess, community of creators? Well, I came into podcasting just as an indie podcaster, like a lot of people did. I sort of stumbled my way in um, because I was interested in podcasts and had been podcasting for a few years, started being more interested in the industry as a whole. So I started going to conferences and meetups and those kinds of things and learning a lot. And then back in like 2018-ish, I mean, it's been a while now. I live in in Denver. So here in Denver, I hosted this event with a place called House of Pod. It's a production house um, and studio. And we co-hosted this event called Opportunities in Podcasting for Women of Color. And I thought, you know, like 20 people will come. It would be like a smallish meetup. There were more than 100 people there. We like packed out. We did it in a coffee shop. We packed out the coffee shop. People thought that we were having like some kind of big event. So more people just started coming in and listening. And I realized then that there was a real opportunity in the industry for folks of color who felt like their voice wasn't part of the conversation or that they weren't finding the t- style of podcast or conversations on podcasts that really related to them. And I didn't act on that at the time. I just was paying attention. And then in 2019, I went to Podcast Movement in Orlando. That's where I met Maribel, my co-founder. We were both speaking, like doing workshops at that event. We went to each other's thing. We just became friends. We were having a lot of conversations in the background of like, we were noticing more opportunities and gaps in the industry for folks of color to grow. Um, And so we decided 
that we were going to start a just a, a Facebook group. And we thought, oh, maybe, you know, like 200 people will join and we'll have, we'll create our own community to network and grow and find resources and da, 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 da. In the first two weeks of starting it, we had over 200 people. Um, and then they started asking us for more things. So we started doing more things. And pretty quickly, we were like, this isn't a free Facebook group. This is a business. <laughs> we need to figure this out because this is way more work than just like the casual Facebook group that we thought it was going to be. Uh, so in August of last year um, is when we incorporated officially and became a business. So it's been a little over a year and that time we've grown very quickly and are able to bring resources, you know, training opportunities, amplification opportunities to creators and professionals of color in the industry. Mm -hmm. that, that's great. So tell me in terms of what you guys have, it really is more of a community. It's not a network per se, right? Right. So we're not like a production house. We're not um, a network of shows. The, the point of BIPOC podcast creators is to, we're really targeting those folks, professionals and creators. So you can be behind the mic or a host creating your own show. I mean, we have people in our community who are in ad tech, who are just professionals in the system, who have their, their own businesses serving other podcasts or podcast companies. Um, so the point is for those people in the middle who've already been in the industry, they're, they want to build a career of some kind, build a legacy in the industry. Our goal is to support them and make sure that they have the mentoring and resources and access. That's the other thing that's always missing for people, right? When you want to build something, whether it's a, a full-time career or part-time show, whatever you want to do, you need people. A team of people, whether you know it's your personal network or be able to hire the right kind of person, we act as like connecting point and we bring all of those people together and say, okay, here, here are some resources, here's some possible mentorship, here's how you build the network in order to be able to get to the next level, to get beyond that like midpoint where, where people tend to get stuck and live up to your full potential in the industry, whatever you decide that is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that you highlighted access because I think that I could see that as being one of the biggest roadblocks, right? Well, I think in any, anything that you want to do and you, if you decided I want to be in this space, you have to know people, <laughs> you have to meet people. And if, you know, if you're an indie creator and you have a great show and you want to pitch your show to, I don't know, Wondery or whoever, the odds that you could just like blindly send a cold pitch to someone at Wondery and that's going to end up in the right person's inbox and they're going to actually have a conversation with it and then reach out to you and have like, like, like this big is, is how that happens. Right. <laughs> but if you know the right people and you can say to them, Hey, check this out. This is what I think, you know, what do you think of this? Maybe we can work together then your chances of getting to wherever you're trying to go start to increase exponentially. So we're really trying to create that pipeline that allows wherever our folks are, members are in the industry to get to that next level by helping them to build their network, get in front of the right people, get some training if they need it, that kind of thing. Yeah, that's great. And I think that I've been surprised at how small the podcast industry is. I mean, really, it's not that large. And so if you can connect with the right people, they are there to connect with. I, I always mm -hmm. think if you compare podcasting to other kind of forms of entertainment, 
like think about how many years and how many layers of corporations and bureaucracy. I mean, all of those, you know, other kind of forms of media have where podcasting is still pretty small. You know, it's not, if you know the right person, you could talk to somebody at Wondery, right, about potentially acquiring your show, but you still have to have those connections. So that's really cool that you guys are doing that. So Sounds Profitable is an organization that got started um, a few years ago in the podcast space, really kind of in the ad tech space. And they've created some really interesting resources. And one of the resources that they created most recently was a study called The Creators. And it's the first time I had personally seen any information about who is actually making podcasts. Um, Mm -hmm. I know that when I started in the space, it never occurred to me that it was more male-dominated than female-dominated, really. Like, Coming from the outside, I didn't really think about it. And then the more I was like digging into the numbers in terms of listenership, I was like, oh my gosh, like really there's way more men who listen to podcasts than than women. Now that was like seven years ago and we're getting closer to 50-50. We still only have about 46% of listening happens by women in the space. I think it's like 3% is non-binary and the others are male. Um, but you know, I, I was kind of shocked about that from a listener perspective, but when the creator's study came out, I was even more shocked about (laughs) the lack of diversity from who is actually creating this content. So 69% of creators in this space right now are male, 51% are white, and then 24% are Hispanic. But I mean, really we can see that it's very kind of white male dominated. I'm curious how you feel like that impacts our ability to have more diverse voices come in and and contribute and create to the space. Well, I think that, so I wasn't surprised at all. <laughs> I bet you weren't. <laughs> I sort of like anecdotally understood that, that you know, what I saw happening, I feel mirrored pretty closely what Sounds Profitable put out. So I just felt really validated when <laughs> when it came out. I told Brian Barletta, what, um, like, when they released it, I sent a message and I was like, validation complete. Yes. <laughs> yes, I'm sure. Um, I think that, you know, it's, I think this will change, but I do think it's, it's not good for any medium to be so skewed in one way or the other. It's not reflective of the world that we live in. It's important um, from a business perspective and even from an artistic or cultural perspective as well for the medium, whatever medium we're talking about, in order to stay relevant and to grow and to have longevity, it really does need to be relatable and accessible to the real world, to people who actually live and work and breathe in that world. And so when you look at those numbers, it shows that it's not actually reflective of the world that we live in. And that's a problem. The reality is our world is becoming more and more multicultural. And and I love to say, like, it's become sort of our de facto tagline that the future of podcasting is multicultural. I believe that. If we're talking about the, the U.S. specifically, which that report is, right? It's not looking yes. much good thing you for pointing that out. It, the U.S. is just becoming more multicultural. Like, 
Generation Alpha, as proven by the most recent census, is the most racially diverse <laughs> generation that this country has ever seen. You know, they're, that's my son's you know, generation. They're very young now, but they grow fast. And before we know it, like they're going to be here, you know, making decisions and even before making decisions, having a cultural impact on what have just like Gen Z has really changed the way we do social media is we know that in podcasting, we need to do more to be accessible and engaging Gen Z because the oldest of Gen Z are now coming into adulthood. Mm -hmm. They are engaging with podcasts. They are engaging with content in a different way. Um, so when we don't have that level of diversity in our industry, it doesn't bode well because you're very quickly going to be irrelevant. <laughs> As those younger people and those new minds come into things, if it doesn't engage them, they just won't deal with it. There won't be like some kind of fight by the next generation to save podcasting. They just won't do it. They just won't engage with it. And so I've been saying to, you know, our partners and companies that we work with and, and when I'm at events and I'm somebody hands me a mic, I'm like, wait a second, don't forget, like you're, everybody is so concerned about like discoverability and are their ads getting heard and costs per download and, you know, all of the CPM and all, all of this and that. But if you are not building in a way that is going to allow for diversity of people and thoughts and culture and ideas, five years, five years, you're done. Because mm -hmm. that's how quickly the next generation starts to have an impact on things. Mm -hmm. And they're not going to fight for you. So you need to be thinking about right now, like if you are not creating companies and content and spaces that are welcoming to that thought, I really think that you're in trouble. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that that is such a good observation. Um, I also think it's really important for us to look at the age, you know, gap that I think happens in podcasting. It seems to me from all of the information I've seen that the listenership tends to be really like a 25 to 45, maybe 54 mm -hmm. audience. And what you're saying, I think is so important because if, so if you consider like who is listening today, maybe the listeners of today aren't as culturally diverse as like you said, like the alpha generation. So as we see these, these, you know, people grow and mature I think that that is such a, a important observation is they are not going to say, how do we change podcasting? They're just going to stop listening. And so and when we think about what the type of content that a younger generation even wants to consume, what is that content? And I don't, I, I feel like it's very interesting because I always kind of presumed that more young people listen to podcasts and I just was unaware they don't really listen to podcasts that much. Um, and if we are wanting to grow the industry, if we're wanting to continue to move forward, people listen to things that appeal to them, right? And if you're, if you mm -hmm. don't feel like there's a common voice that you can turn to and listen to, that's when things, you know, start to die. I mean, yeah, we could get into how traditional things like newspaper and radio have been dying. And I do think that a lot of that is because there's lack of diversity. I mean, of course, they're dying for mm -hmm. a lot of other reasons, too. But there is a lack of diversity um, in those those spaces. You know, I think that should be a good lesson for us in podcasting. So it's it's great that, that you're putting the message out and that you're really trying to speak to that. 
I also think that it's important for us to look at how this diversity does play into the dollars and cents part of things, which is mm -hmm. brands are wanting to partner with more diverse content. And I know that at True Native Media, we have advertisers that say, hey, we want to advertise on podcasts where the host, you know, is a minority, like where the shows and we kind of look around and go, we've got a few, you know, and mm -hmm. we also, I think one of the things that frustrates me the most is we go out and recruit podcasts all the time. And, you know, I'll tell my podcast recruiter, Hey, like we want more diverse voices, go find more diverse voices. And it's really hard to find them. You know, I think that that's part of what bothers me is that they're like, it's, they just don't exist as much as we would like them to exist. Or there's, there are shows that are so new that the audiences haven't been established as much as we would like them to be. Um, but how do you think that having diverse creators really is important for advertisers? Well, I think one thing that gets missed by advertisers is, of course, they're they're looking at the numbers but sometimes they're looking at the numbers almost exclusively. They're not really taking into the full context of the industry. And here's what we know about the industry is that each podcast, each individual podcast, it's a, it's essentially, you could treat each individual podcast like a niche audience, right? And so advertisers tend because they're, they're used to radio or they're used to some other. Yeah. Like digital. Used, digital, whatever, mm -hmm. right? Those audiences are are more broad. You'll, you'll have like a bigger swath of the population in that type of audience. But podcasting is distinctly different in that way. Like you said before, nobody listens to a podcast that they don't like, right? It's, it's not like getting in your car and turning on the radio and I have it on a certain station while I'm driving and maybe I don't like the host of a particular segment but it's going to change. And so you can just sort of put it on and you'll still get those ads. Some of that is still going to land on you. Podcasting is not like that. Mm -hmm. Podcasting, the, the audience is listening specifically because that they have decided that content and that host is for them. That voice is for them, right? So advertisers really need to look at they need to just be more strategic in saying, I'm instead of saying, look, I want to work with creators of color. Well, you should, because people who listen to that podcast are often also folks of color and they like toothpaste too, right? They drive cars too. They need car insurance as well. They need therapy, mm -hmm. <laughs> just like everybody else, right? But they get, I think advertisers get caught up because they'll maybe compare it to radio and say, well, one radio station will have 2 million listeners. So I need a podcast that mirrors that, but it's not the same. So maybe the most engaged podcast only has an audience of 100,000 or smaller, mm -hmm. but it's super engaged. Mm -hmm. You get more engagement. It's been proven over and over and over again that you get more engagement and you get more conversions from podcasts because they listen to their host, right? Whoever is in charge doing that podcast, they see that person as not just an influencer, but oftentimes as a friend. Right. Absolutely. And it's not necessarily the same way on other mediums. And so I think what advertisers need to understand that in podcasting, 
if you did a, a bigger slate of shows with smaller audiences, they would start to see the conversion that they actually want. But it it requires you to be more strategic. You have to put in more work. You have to have somebody that's actually going to go and listen to that content and reach out to that creator and understand what the engagement looks like there. Mm-hmm. And yeah. say, okay, we have this advertiser that really wants to work with a creator of color and they have this ad for, and you have to make a really great match. It's harder in podcasting to sort of generalize and say, we'll take 10 shows in this category and 10 shows in this category and get the same conversion rates that you're looking for. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that especially when we're talking about this level of content, there is such a strong connection between the audience and the host. And of course we understand host reads. We know that they've been around forever, but I really do believe that this type of content is 100% influencer marketing because Mm -hmm. the audience is listening to the show because they identify with the host, because they feel like you said, like they're friends with the host. And so there is so much opportunity. And I, I would also, you know, just like to mention that, you know, we, you kind of threw around the number of 2 million numbers are important to advertisers, right? I mean, you have to, as an advertiser, know that you're going to get enough impressions to get conversions because we know only a certain percentage of people are going to convert. But I also think that it's important when you're trying to target a specific, um, you know, community, or if you're trying to, to target that more diverse voice, you might have smaller audiences but that's okay, you know? And I think the other thing that you had mentioned is this idea of maybe how do you buy multiple shows as well, right? So maybe Mm -hmm. you're getting a smaller audience if you just purchase one podcast, but how could we potentially, you know, group those podcasts together so you can get the number of impressions that you want? Because it, you know, it takes a lot to grow an audience. And I I guess I'm, I'm curious do you feel like it's more difficult for the BIPOC community to grow an audience? Because overall, if they're trying to identify, you know, like we had just talked about, there aren't as many people of color listening to podcasts as other, you know, other ethnicities. Is that an issue for growing an audience? So it can be in certain mm-hmm. aspects. You know, it's earlier you said, you know, you find that it can be challenging to find these podcasts, right, that are mm-hmm. by. Mm-hmm. And, and it always makes me laugh. I hear that a lot. And I'm like, because I feel like I'm swimming in them. <laughs> like, <I'm laughs> yes, I'm sure. sure. <laughs> I know a lot of podcasters, um, you know, uh, from marginalized communities, whether they be person of color or queer or, or whatever, that have deeply engaged audiences that are doing really great work. Yeah. But they're not well known. And I think part of that is it's multifaceted, right? So part of it is that discoverability is hard Mm -hmm. when you're indie. You're not with a a big network that helps, that has a PR person that helps push things out, right? So there's that piece. Um, What we also see in, you know, smaller or some communities that have been marginalized is they are often the first podcaster or podcast listener in there in their immediate space yeah. right so so like me when I started podcasting nobody else in my family listened to podcasts it was like me and my husband were like casual listeners and then I started one and then I was like telling everybody that I started a podcast and I spent 
50% of the time explaining what a podcast was and where to find one, right? Now, to this day, I don't think anybody in my family listens to my podcast specifically, but they do, most of them now listen to podcasts, right? So it's good for the industry, just as an aside overall, when somebody who is previously overlooked by the industry is not being like viable starts a podcast because they bring in a new audience with them. So there's, there is that challenge mm -hmm. because historically it, podcasting had been like a tech thing, which was, you know, largely right. white and male. Yes. And so people are, are seeing the, now the opportunity to be creative with it and do different things and have impact. So there's that challenge of just having to be the person that introduces your community to it and lets it grow that way. So I think that's, that's part of it. I think the, the other thing is that from an industry perspective, those like indie creators in general, but especially creators of color or even queer creators just aren't seen as, as viable. They aren't seen typically as relevant. I can't tell you how many times I've gone to a meetup and have somebody be surprised that I know anything about podcasting or have like any currency in the industry at all. Now, I'm not famous, right? I'm not an executive of some podcasting agency, but I know a few people. I've been on a couple of stages here and there, but often to be looked at like, oh, like just sh shock and awe that I know anything. So there's that. Then we also have the issue around language is challenging. Um, especially for discoverability. So if you are a, a somebody who's creating and you're bilingual and you do a show that's in more than one language, that actually makes your discoverability go down. It's harder um, from like the RSS, the tech side of things, because there's no like really good way to tag it on the back end to say bilingual. Like you can't put into a podcast catcher bilingual shows and all of the bilingual shows in Spanish are going to show up. There's There's no function for that. So is there have no, to know. there's no way to, like, if I wanted to search for a Spanish podcast, for instance, there's no way to look specifically for Spanish speaking podcasts. No, you have to know the name of the show or the name of the person creating it. There's, there's no good, like, so Elsie Escobar is, is more of an expert on this because we've had several conversations about this. Yes, I'm and, sure. And she's, and I believe that she's even had conversations with like Apple and other companies to be like, you need to fix this problem, right? But it, it's very hard. So unless that show has like, like I, I know a little bit of Arabic. And so I was looking for a podcast that helps with, with teaching Arabic. And the only way I can find one was by putting the word Arabic in the search bar. And then it gave me like a, a small sampling of shows. But I know that there are more than that. Mm -hmm. But I couldn't find that. I couldn't find them. I just right. couldn't find them because I, I didn't have the right word. So I found one that is actually quite a good show. But then I was like out of luck when that show went on hiatus for a year. I didn't have a podcast available to me because I didn't know the right search term to find another one. Because <laughs> however, you know, it's it's just a weird tech thing. And so when we're talking about for if we're talking about for creators of color specifically, many of them are multilingual, right? right. Because especially when we start to get outside of the U.S., people tend to be multilingual. So they might be creating in another language. If I want to listen in that language, it's going to be hard for me to find. So you may or may not know the answer to this, but I'm really curious what kind of like podcast, like podcatcher, pod players 
other countries are using. So, you know, we know that podcast listening is growing outside of the U.S. I think that, you know, certainly Spanish speaking and Latin um, Latin communities seem like they're growing the most quickly. But also like think about like Portugal and Spain. I know Brazil has like really blown up. I wonder what kind of interfaces they're using to listen to podcasts. Do you have any idea? So I haven't actually seen one myself, um, but so I know, you know, who would probably be really great for you to talk to is Molly Jensen from Afropods. Mm. Um, So they're like a hosting network. So they know all of the ins and outs of this, but it hasn't been an issue. You know, they have created a platform that's really working across several countries in Africa. They do the same things, Um, same thing in like the Middle East and Saudi Arabia they can often access like Spotify. Or, That's what you know, I was what, thinking is Spotify. Yeah. And they use, they, they're using Apple as well. I mean, I think they just are. I think the issue is that again, on the back end, they're tagged differently. So if I'm like using the Arabic version or the Middle Eastern version of Spotify, I can see everything that's happening much more easily in that region than I, if I were in, in the U S in the U S right. That makes total right. sense. Um, Yeah, I just, I don't understand. And granted, I am not, you know, a tech expert by any means, but I just personally get really frustrated when I go to look for a podcast around a certain topic and I feel like I hit a roadblock. You know, Mm -hmm. I consume so many podcasts. I also listen to tons of audiobooks. And like, for instance, if I were looking, for a certain audiobook, I can go to Audible and I can search under a topic and I can find stuff, you know, yeah. but I feel like I should be able to go into a podcast player and say, I want to know about how to raise cactuses, right? Like I want to find mm-hmm. a podcast about how to raise cactuses. And the whole podcast doesn't have to be about how to raise cactuses. It could just be Episode 101 did, a, you know, a specific ep- episode about how to find or how to read cactuses. And the fact that we can't do that, I mean, I get that it's the whole audio thing, but I mean, think about YouTube. And if we wanted right now, if we wanted to find a, a YouTube video about how to read cactuses, it would be super simple. We could go into YouTube mm-hmm. and we could find it in two seconds. And I am sure that if you wanted to find videos about how to speak Arabic, you could find that in two seconds as well. So I, I don't understand how come the technology can't be translated into podcasting. It just doesn't make any sense because it's like you said, it's all just about tagging. Like, can't we just tag this episode with the things that we need for discoverability? I mean. So I'm not a tech, a tech expert <laughs> on this either, right? But I've had a lot of conversations around this particular issue. And I think the first thing is, is, is that sometimes, in my humble opinion, the industry of podcasting can take itself too seriously and, like, really believe that it's creating something that's never been seen in the world before. And so it's like, we have this problem and we're working to solve it. And I'm like, dude, radio solved it. YouTube solved it. All of these other mediums solved it. Why are you trying to reinvent the wheel here? Like, we're as much as we like to believe that we're special, we're not special. <laughs> like, why don't we just do what everybody else is doing? It couldn't be that hard. Right. So there's that. <laughs> and that's just my, my I agree. Point. I totally <laughs> agree. Like, can't we just look around? <laughs> exactly. So there's that piece. 
Um, but then there's there's also problems within the tech itself that don't just impact podcasting. And I and I learned this from a fellow podcaster. So there's this really good show called Latinas B2B for short. Um, but they did this really great talk at Podcast Movement, this last one, about AI and like Google search and discoverability and how all of those things come together and how they're not, they're actually not working well, especially for um, folks of color. Right. Mm -hmm. So they put into the Google search bar, like Latinas podcasts, like some very general terms. And you would think like all of these podcasts that are by Latina creators or about Latinas or whatever would have shown up. It didn't. If you put the word Latina into Google search, it pulls up a lot of porn sites and a lot of dating sites, but almost exclusively nothing else. Same thing if you put in like black woman or like all of these general search terms, um, because here's the thing, what, what we learned from that talk, what I learned from Teresa is that like Latinas aren't Googling Latina. So the oh. algorithm. <laughs> That makes sense. Why so would the algorithm you, right? has built in this bias? Right. So there's all this inherent bias that has built been built in over time. So now that if people are searching for like, and I have done this recently, I was we curate some lists, you know, here and there. We do different things, and specifically, we were specifically trying to curate a list of podcast episodes for Latinx Heritage Month. But they had to spit a certain criteria. And, you know, it, it takes time to curate a list because we go and we we actually listen and we like sort of critique and we're like, okay, this one's here. We had these themes that we were working on for this list. So it wasn't just like pulling any podcast. So we couldn't find exactly what we were looking for, again, by put by using one of the players. Because if you just put in Latina, it pulls up a bunch of random stuff. And so we went to Google and... I put in Latina podcast and I got a bunch of dating sites and I was like, no. <laughs> and no, it took a long time to find search terms that actually got me to something that I was looking for. But it also made me think how much did I miss? Because there's this weirdness in the algorithm that doesn't recognize folks of color as being more than a stereotype. I mean, it was really interesting. Like if I put in search term looking for podcasts that by or about folks of color, I got these stereotypical search results that were just like shocking to me, like shocking. <laughs> and this happens all across the board. Like I can think of a podcast. There's a podcast called EYL started as a YouTube channel. It's also a podcast. So this is a business podcast, and I think their tagline is like business for the culture. So it's by uh, two black men. This is a massive, they have a massive following, mm -hmm. like massive. But if you put into the search term black podcast business, it doesn't come up. You have no. to put in the actual name of the podcast for in it its entirety or you won't find it. And it's a massive podcast. It's a, they have a massive audience. And they have big names. They have they have like Grant Cardone. Wow, that is <laughs> such a trip. And it so anytime there's like the top business podcast or the top business, they don't channel, even show they're, up. They're never on it, never. And I I would bet just from knowing what I know about about this team, 
I would bet that their numbers rival the business podcasts that always end up in the top 10. I would right. bet that they rival them. Right. And so, I, I mean, just listening to you talk, so like as a middle-aged woman, I'm never going to put in Google like middle-aged woman podcast, right? And so nope. like, like, why would you do that? It just, exactly. that's so fascinating. Right. But, right. but then again, too, like obviously the AI is reflective of what people are doing and what they're searching for. And that just brings all of, you know, like you said, all of the bias yeah, I mean, kind of into, into it, it, view. It's, yes, it's reflective of that, but it's also reflective of the bias of who created the AI. Right. right. So it's, it, and, and I don't understand completely how it works. I learned all of this from sitting in on that talk and then having a conversation about it later with them. But if the person creating AI hears the word Latina and thinks, oh, a spicy Latina dating site, like, that's what goes into creating it. And so then the first people using it who put in that search term, that's what they're automatically going to get. Now, it should not have given me that because I'm constantly searching for different types of podcasts or YouTube channels or things like that. So why I even got a dating site from multiple dating sites and, and a few porn sites from Google search terms, like the AI, the algorithm should have known, mm -hmm. in theory at least, that that's not what I was looking for because I've never, I've never like searched for a dating site. I've never searched for a porn site. I've never done that. <laughs> so why is it showing up? Wow. That is so bizarre. So I think like, you know, bringing this back to advertising, it is really interesting. I think brands really want to advertise to a more diverse group of people. And I think there's a couple of reasons for that, right? I think that they see the value in reaching maybe underserved communities of people. I also think that they want their brand message to align with that. I think as, you know, going through kind of, you know, this kind of revolution in this movement that we've been going through since I would say like 2020, I really believe brands are wanting to do that. And I don't think that they really know how to very well. And I'm so I, I guess I'm just really happy that you guys are doing what you're doing because it will allow for this kind of elevation of voices. I'm curious, you know, like you said, that you feel like you're swimming in all of these podcasts of all of these diverse voices. And yet, like when we go out and we try to find them, we're having a hard time. Is there a platform that you have created where, where you can help with discoverability or even just a website where you're listing these shows or anything like that? So it's in process. So we're building a database for us to know more about what people are creating in our community and, and what's out there so that we can help sort of make connections. Um, so yes, that's in process. We're, we probably, I don't see us doing anything about discoverability. Like that's a whole, it's a whole industry thing monster. for sure. <laughs> we're not going to take on, uh, but yeah, we are, we are very much interested in, in finding ways for us to help flow our folks, you know, the people are in our membership to the top so that they can be seen and, and, you know, find more opportunities. And I'll just say for like those companies out there that are like, we are having a hard time with this. Well, we consult 
Like we can sit down with you and we can do a whole thing to show you what you need to do. And and, and one of the things that we see in advertising that companies don't do enough, it, it, it comes down to like being able, being willing to commit the time that it takes to advertise well um, to a different population of, of people, right? So it helps a lot, like, you know, the ad red voices, right? But if you're going to do a pre-recorded ad, like in the, in the way that BetterHelp or some other companies do it, it really helps if you have a voice that they connect with mm-hmm. that sounds familiar to them. And we we still see like companies not really wanting to do that. I realize that it takes a lot more work and it takes a longer timeline. But if you want to get the conversion that you want to get, then you have to put in the work. Mm-hmm. And we're available to consult to help you understand that a little bit better. So That's great. Very, very cool. So what you're saying is you feel like the brands are coming in saying like, I'm going to take the messaging that I've created that's, you know, appealing to this broader audience and try to use it instead of really creating it. I think, like you said, like in a voice that resonates with the audience. Mm -hmm. We hear it a lot. I mean, we have a lot of conversations with creators and professionals in the industry and different companies. And when we're talking to a company, we hear two things at least 90% of the time. If the problem that they're trying to solve with their company is is more um, equitable and diverse hiring for their, especially for their creative teams, because they, you know, they want to be able to create podcasts that appeal to a more diverse audience. They always say, well, we can't find team members of diverse backgrounds. We don't know how to find them. Or if they're looking for shows specifically, they say the same thing. We can't find shows with diverse. (laughs) And again, I'm always like, we're swimming in them, people. (laughs) But what we see, we sometimes get those same companies will sometimes push back on us and not want to work with us in a meaningful way to solve that problem. Mm. So what they want us to do is just say, Here's this person, here's this person, here's this person. Congratulations, hire them. I'm not, we're not an employment agency, right? We're not the discoverability, solving discoverability for you. We're, we're, we have a community of professionals that are trying to grow in the industry and find opportunities and they're available, but you have to be willing to do work and you have to be willing to compensate people for their labor. Mm-hmm. Don't come to me and ask me what to do and then be like, and I need all of this for free. Absolutely not. <laughs> you know, that's one of the problems that we see with some companies is that they want us to come and help them and do something for them, but they also don't want to do the full breadth of work on their end that it requires to do something well. And they don't want to compensate people. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how in their brain that works, but they're going to continue to have these problems. Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Tangia, thank you so much. This has been such an interesting conversation. So before we wrap it up, um, I would love for you to just make some predictions. So I know we kind of started the conversation off by almost saying, hey, if we don't have some diversity, podcasting could potentially die. Um, but if you were to predict what you think might might happen in the industry in the next couple of years, what are some of the predictions that you have? Well, I think you're going, we're going to see it, I think on a positive note, continue to get more diverse in that reflecting the population in the world as a whole. I really think that podcasting in the Middle East is about to pop. 
um, it's popping in China. It's starting to pop in um, several countries in Africa. So I think we're going to need to see that growth. Um, I think there's going to be a lot more small creators creating shows. I mean, if we look at what Anu Bhardwaj is doing with She Economy in India and across different Asian countries, she has found a way to get a, a lower tech phone into the hands of you know, people who have struggled economically, who in any other instance would not be able to afford the technology to create a podcast. She has found a way to solve that problem. Um, so I think we're going to see the global community really growing quickly in the next couple of years in podcasting, which I think bodes well for everybody. I think that's going to be one of the hardest things. I mean, we'll see what happens with this reception. I don't even want to make a prediction about how that's going to impact podcasting. Um, I think it, it definitely will impact. I think we'll see ad dollars and things like that go down. But I also think that that will spur more creativity. Mm -hmm. yeah, I yeah. Think the, I think the future is bright. Yeah, I agree. And it's nice to certainly, um, you know, to look at that projection and look at that prediction. And I, I agree. I think that there is a lot of potential and podcasting really is becoming more and more of a global medium. I know you mentioned she, she economy, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and that if, if you're listening and you haven't checked that out, it is really, really amazing. Um, what the founder is doing there is, is pretty incredible work. So I would, I would encourage you to just go check that out just because she's doing some, some really cool things. Um, so yeah, so terrific. Thank you so much, uh, Tangia for being on the show. And if people want to connect with you, if they're interested in your consulting services, or even just interested in being part, um, of the community, where can they connect with you? Sure. So um, go to the website, BIPOCpodcastcreators.com. You can email us at hi at BIPOCpodcastcreators.com. Um, for the group, the, the membership is free. We're committed to always having a free level of membership. Um, and it exists right now on Facebook. So you can just put in BIPOC podcast creators in the Facebook search queue and the, and the group should come up. And uh, you have to fill out a few questions to enter it. So, you know, we encourage you to do that. But for everybody else, like maybe you're not going to be part of the BIPOC membership community, you can join our newsletter from our website. We do a monthly newsletter that we have really great feedback on, and it's about to get better next year. We have some plans. Um, so you can join the newsletter. You only email that out once a month. So you'll get a good breadth of what's happening in the community. And we do a recap of like what's happening in the industry as a whole to help everybody stay on top of what's going on. There's different training opportunities in there. Like any webinar we do is open to the entire podcasting community as a whole, not just our members. Um, so yeah, just head over there, join the newsletter or join the group and we're available to consult if you need help. So <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on this show. Thanks for having me. And thank you for listening to this episode. I hope that it has been insightful for you. I know that it has been for me. If you're interested in learning more about podcast advertising, you can always head on over to truenativemedia.com and download our podcast advertising guide. Thanks so much for listening and we'll catch you again next time. Thank you for listening to the podcast advertising playbook, your source to a better understanding of the podcast advertising industry. 